listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. All right, we are continuing in our series. We're calling it Psalms for the Summer, and we've been looking through, if you're just joining us, uh, different psalms for different kind of seasons of life, different struggles that we walk through. And so I want to start with a story, maybe a little bit of insight on my family that will give you some traction for where we're headed in the psalms this morning. Uh, As long as really I can remember, my grandmother has been really into scrapbooking. Um, You could say she's a huge scrapbooker, if that's a way to phrase somebody, (laughs) describe them. But she, uh, really from my earliest memories, uh, she had a camera in her hand, always documenting our family together. Even like every time we'd eat dinner, she's going to take a picture, right? And uh, to this day, if you went to her house, there are bookshelves full of scrapbooks. And uh, I was talking about it with my family last night, really since the late 1980s to current day, she has a scrapbook for every year. I mean, she is serious about her scrapbooking. And so what, what's amazing about this is a scrapbook, as so many of y'all know, is a way to remember the precious moments of a family, right? Uh, of the seasons and times that you walk through. And so whether it's birthdays, the birth of a child, like Christmas, various holidays, all of these things could be documented and remembered in this scrapbook. And so if there was a fire or something went wrong with their house, the thing that we would be going to run in there and grab are the scrapbooks, right? Because we don't want to forget all of these precious moments that we've had as a family to remember, like, it, it, it was possible that at one point I maybe had an afro, right? To go back and to look at those pictures and recall, like, Why did I ever have that haircut, right? And to remember, your house looked like that. Y'all decorated those things, right? To reflect on all of those things. In in a similar way, this morning, as we head to the scriptures, David is going to call us to remember who God is. And kind of in a similar sense as a scrapbook to look on memories, David's going to say, let's look back and reflect on all that God has done, that who he is. And so this morning, we're calling it a psalm for the forgetful. And if you have your Bible, we're in Psalm 103. And we're moving into a section of the Psalms uh, that is really called a Psalms of Praise. Uh, of, of David, really for about 50 Psalms from this one on, is going to encourage the readers and listeners to praise God through the prayers and reading of Scripture. And it starts in verse 1. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, My soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord, and do not forget. I want to pause right there, because there is a lot in these first two verses. What what David is doing here is he's beginning to talk to himself. Uh, He says in verses 1 through 2, My soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me Bless his holy name. What David is doing in this moment, he's stirring up his soul. He's reminding himself. One commentary calls it gospel self-talk, right? He's reminding himself the truth about who God is and what he has done in his life. He says, David, do not forget these things. You've got to remember these things. And I stopped here because really from these words on, this is the focal point of the psalm. Everything he is about to say is based off this idea that we as believers would remember, that we would not forget these 
things. And, and what's important about this is there is great danger in us forgetting, right? This is why David says this. He knows that when we forget who God is, we are tempted to worship other gods, little g gods. We, we fall for something far less beautiful and less marvelous than who God is. And so the Old Testament is a case study over and over of people forgetting who God is, right? Of turning to another God that was dead and lifeless, that couldn't offer them anything, and they turned to that over and over. I remember uh, reading through the Old Testament as a young kid, and like, they worshiped a golden calf? Like, what does that even mean? Like, who would ever worship a, a statue, right? Like, who would do that? But in reality, we fall to worship something that is very similar, right? Like, we give our life to things of idolatry that will never bring us anything, that could never fill us or satisfy us. Also, there, there's danger in forgetting because it leads us to a place of apathy, right? And so you think about how does someone who is super passionate about Jesus, that has accepted him, that's declared their faith through baptism, that wants to proclaim their faith to other people, how do they go from being so excited, so zealous for the Lord, to not caring anymore, right? To, to not wanting to go to church, not reading their Bible or caring about the things of God, how do they go from this to that? Ultimately, they forget, right? They stop reminding themselves of the truth. And when we move to a place of apathy, apathy is basically this idea that you're moved to not be motivated or care about a particular thing. And reality is there is a lot of believers, or quote-unquote Christians, that are very much living an apathetic life, right? That's, that's just who they are, is, is living in apathy, forgetting about God's goodness. And finally, forgetting simply just leads us to be ungrateful, right? That when we forget about who God is, all we can really focus on is the here and now, right? Like, why, why would God do this? Why would I experience this pain? You, you couldn't be able to reflect because you're just living in a season of ungratefulness. You've forgotten who God is. And so we would quickly become a person who complains a lot, someone who's bitter, and someone who is constantly jealous about what other people have. And so David says, hey, from the very beginning, this is important for myself as he's speaking to himself, but also as we read it today, that we would not forget who God is. That when we do, we move to a place of worshiping something other than him, we live an apathetic life, and we're ungrateful. And so here's the things that he says we should be careful not to forget. He begins in verse 2. And says, my soul bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. All of his benefits. So you think about when you accept a full-time job. Maybe someone in here, you've landed your dream job. And so when you land that, there's going to become certain benefits or a package that is given to you for getting that job, right? For having the degrees and the requirements and doing the interview process. There's going to be things like health insurance, life insurance. You may get a front row parking spot. You're going to get a certain number of PTO, or in other words, vacation days or paid time off. Hallelujah for that, right? Or you're going to get the office in the corner with the view, right? You're going to get all of these benefits for a certain job. And in a similar way, David's saying, hey, focus on the benefits of God that, that come with following him, with pursuing after him. And he begins to list these out in verse 3. 
He says he forgives all of your iniquity. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The first thing we see from this text is to do not forget the blessings of being God's children. Do not forget the blessings of being God's children. So unlike a job that has certain benefits that you have to really work for and have certain requirements to gain those benefits, the blessing of being God's children are these are things that are freely given to us. You, you could never work for them. You just get them for being his, for, for being his child. They, they are given to you. And so the first thing that David mentions, first benefit or blessing that his children receive is forgiveness. That God's children are receive our forgiveness. It says in verse nine, he will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your faithful love towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. I cannot adequately describe the importance of this. There are books and books written on this truth of God's forgiving love. Like, and we don't even have the ability to fully comprehend this truth, right? That as far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your faithful love. Fear him. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions. The, the truth of this, if you are God's children, you are forgiven. You are washed clean. Every past, present, and future sin of your life is washed clean. It's forgiven. You, God does not hold those sins against us. I said this uh, a couple weeks ago, but every sin is worth an eternity in hell. Right? Every sin is worth you being separated God, from God in hell forever and ever and ever. But God, in his goodness and in his love, he forgives his children. Man, he is so good to us. This is the blessing of being his, that he would forgive us. And then David, he's just going to go on and on and on about who God is. The next thing he says is he, he heals. God is the healer. And so we're here at a pretty large church, right? And so if we said, hey, next Sunday, we're going to have every person in the same room. And if you have experienced God healing you physically in some way, we want you to come and testify on stage. If we did that, we would have church for like 36 hours, right? On and on and on, people testifying about how they have seen God, the great physician, work in their life. God is the healer, right? When we're praying for someone that's going into surgery, we're asking that God would work in the hands and in the minds of the doctors and nurses in the room, right? That God would work in that person's life. He is the healer. And if people are not healed here, right? If you're walking through a sickness or a pain here. My grandfather is walking through um, stage four cancer, and if he's not healed here on earth, he will be healed one day, right? Forever and ever, right? Whatever pain, whatever sorrow that you've walked through, if you are God's child, you will be forgiven and cleansed and healed forever. That is the benefit of being his for anyone that is trusted in him. He goes on, he says, he redeems us. And when it says he redeems 
your life from the pit in verse 4. The pit is this idea of just death, of, of hell, right? And because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, the power of the resurrection, we are forgiven, right? We are redeemed because of what he has done on the cross. We don't have to experience eternal death, that we can live forever and ever with him. The Hebrew word redeem means to buy out or, or to purchase someone's freedom. And so if you think about a, a slave, that someone comes along and says, we're going to pay this person's way so they don't have to live in this anymore. We're going to buy them out. This is what God has done for us. He has purchased us, right? He has redeemed us from our sin, for the slavery that we have been in against him. He has redeemed us and freed us from that. And then he crowns us, right? Not only does he forgive us and heal us and redeem us, but he crowns us. In other words, he adopts us into his family and says, you are mine, and I take care of my children, right? I watch over my children. You are adopted into the royal family of God. And so if you think about uh, the president's children or the royal family and those children that are born, just the blessings that they get to be born into, right, of all the, wor- the, all the money in the world that they could ever imagine, right, that there's so much power in, in their parents' or grandparents' hands, right, all the blessings of that, like the bowling alley that's in the, that's in the White House, right? Like all of those things they receive, right? This is what David is saying, that you are adopted into that family. You, you are crowned as his daughter or as his son. And the king of kings and lord of lords, he is your father. You're adopted into his family. And finally, David says he satisfies his children. The New Living Translation says he fills my life with good things. Isn't that true? That God fills our life with good things. And so the blessings of being God's child is that he fills your life with pleasure and purpose, right? That that you have meaning and an identity and purpose in your life, that you don't have to run to someone else or to something else to run to the world for satisfaction. He himself is that that he is the most satisfying thing in the world, that God's children are content in him, right? That we find satisfaction in our father. And then David shifts and moves to a new idea. As he continues to talk about God's benefit, he moves in verse six. And so here's our second point, is to do not forget God's character, right? Remember the blessings and the benefits and remember God's character. We can't forget this as followers of God. It says in verse 6, the Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses and the deeds to the people of Israel. And so what David does in these verses is he thinks back to the most pivotal, the most important, most impactful moment of history that he can remember. And that moment was God freeing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. This is the moment that he recalls. He thinks about how God demonstrated his covenant love to his people. And then verse 8 of this psalm is a direct quote of Exodus 34, 6. And so what David is recalling, he's remembering the moment when God freed his people out of slavery, right? And they enter into this wilderness on the journey to the promised land of what he said, this is what's coming for you. This is the blessing of being my children. And it was not soon after that God had freed them 
that the Israelites forgot. Right? They, if you remember, they asked to go back. They're like, why, why are we here? We want to go back to this place. And so in the midst of them not remembering who God is, not remembering his character, they begin to gather all the gold that they have in their community. And so they grab the gold and they begin to form this golden calf. And they would begin to worship and to praise that calf going against the God who had just freed them from intense slavery. And what David does here is he's reflecting on what God does. God reveals to Moses who he is. He says, despite what you have done, this is who the Lord is. So we see this in Exodus 34 and also in verse 8 of this psalm. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. This is one of the most powerful statements about the character of God in all of Scripture. That he is compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in faithful love. What's interesting about this is David mentions this truth multiple times throughout the Psalms. It's not just here that he reflects on it, but it's over and over. And what this points to is that this verse is a life verse for David. That when he would be prone to forget and uh, lose memory of what God has done, he would remind himself this verse. Of when he fell into sin, he would remind himself, God's not angry at me. He loves me. He's compassionate, right? He's abounding in faithful love. When he was in the midst of pain and suffering and, and the enemies would go after him, he would remind himself the truth of this verse. And so David, what he does here, he feels so strongly about this verse, he's going to begin to just communicate what this means, Right? After this verse, he's going to teach us how God is compassionate, how he's gracious, how he's slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. If you look at verse 13, he begins to teach this truth. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. And so the character of God is that he is a compassionate father. That, that he looks at his children with love and mercy. He recognizes that we are frail, that we are weak, that we are helpless, that we are prone over and over to go against him. But he looks at us with compassion, with love. And so what this truth means is that God knows exactly what you're going through. When you feel like no one else can understand the pain, uh, the sorrow, the, the hurt that you're walking through, God knows exactly. Right? He he understands. Uh, he's the most understanding person in the universe. No one could comprehend what you're going through more than he could. And what's beautiful about this is we see in Scripture through uh, the Old Testament and then through the life of Jesus that God moves to the broken. He, he moves to those that are uh, full of diseases, right? That Jesus would move towards the leper. He would move towards the woman in adultery, right? He would run to them out of compassion and love for them. We see this, that God is really the father in the story of the prodigal son. That the father doesn't lock the door and say, you can't come back in. But if you remember that story, the father gets up and runs. He runs to his son that has squandered all of his money, that has basically been in Vegas and partying and ruining his life. When the son begins to return, the father gets up and runs. This is who our God is. Is. This is the character of our Father. 
Verse 15 continues. It says, As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field, and when the wind passes over it, it vanishes. Its place is no longer. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him and his righteousness towards the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precept. And so as it says the flower or the grass flourishes for one moment and eventually it fades. If there's any people on earth that understand that more than we do, right? Like we understand here in Lubbock that you can plant grass, it's going to look good for a second, and the next day it's going to be dead, right? Unless you're flourishing in that moment. And so what he's saying is as grass and flowers flourish for a moment and eventually they fade, that God's love is different. It endures forever. It is steadfast from everlasting to everlasting, from eternity to eternity. God does not let his people down. He he is faithful. He is loving. Despite us going against him, knowing every sinful thought we ever had, he cares for us, right? He loves us. He is compassionate. In verse 19, David mentions one more characteristic about God. He says, the Lord has established his throne and his kingdom rules over all. And so David points to that God is the ruler. And many people would see this, like many people struggle with Christianity because they see God as someone that rules over everyone in a controlling manner. But David is pointing that God faithfully and lovingly controls and rules over the world, right? He does it in justice and in kindness. This is our father in heaven. This, this is who he is. This is the benefits that as his children, we get to receive his character. We get to receive his kindness and to walk in that. And then David finishes this psalm by going back to what he did at the beginning. In verse 1 and 2, he begins to stir his heart to praise the Lord. And now it just begins to overflow in verse 20. It says, Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength, who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and in all places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. And so when we remember what God has done, it should move us to praise him, right? To, to worship him, that we are overwhelmed, that all we can say is bless the Lord. And oh, my soul, all that is within me, bless the Lord. This was a habit for David. It was an, a spiritual exercise, if you want to say it that way. And the same needs to be true for us, that we are people that are prone to forget. We are prone to go against the God that we love. And so David calls us to create the habit of remembering, that we would reflect on all that God has done. This is going to have to be a decision that you and I really make to do. We can't just naturally just remember. You have to create the effort to remember. That's really the point of the scrapbook. We can go back to that for a second. My grandmother would work tirelessly on one scrapbook, right? Hours of getting the the photos in the right position, the details and the descriptions, right? Making sure she had everyone's name in the book correct. She would work over and over on this. The same is true. If we're going to remember what God has done, if we're going to remember who he is, we have to make a decision to actually do that. And so how do we remind ourselves what God has done? What what does that look like for us practically? I want to give maybe a couple examples 
before we leave this morning of how you could strengthen your quiet time. How could you strengthen your personal devotion to the Lord to add in some reflection, to add in a way to remember? The first thing that maybe we could possibly do is to practice gratitude. And so I want to encourage you this week to write down five things you're grateful for every day. As you begin to sit with the Lord, that you would write down, hey, what are five things I'm grateful for today? And uh, as you practice this, you're going to realize that some days it comes really quickly, right? Uh, God, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for this house. I'm grateful for the Tesla that's in the garage. Thank you for that, God, right? Just over and over, it overflows. And there's going to be other days that you sit down and it's not coming, right? That you have to really sit with the Lord and think about what am I thankful for today? Even in the midst of the struggles that I, I have. But I want you to think about how so many of us start our day. The first thing we do is we pick up this and we get on social media and you begin to scroll and you're like, man, the Johnsons are in Cancun again. Great for them, right? You scroll a little farther, you're like, our neighbors are moving to a bigger and better house. Good for them. Sarah, she's engaged. Good for her, right? And what happens instead of beginning your day with gratitude, so many of us begin our day with discontentment uh, of just realizing, man, the bitterness, the jealousy that's there, and we just feed our mind over and over. And so there would be value for us to not only just live a life of gratitude, but also to reflect on who God is. Writing down five things a day could move our heart, could stir our heart to do that. Second thing would be to meditate on God's word to meditate on God's word. And so to be like David, right? Maybe you have these already and maybe you need to find them, but David, he shows us in the scripture that he has life verses. Verses that when life gets hard, he would cling to those and remind himself, who is God? What, what are these stories? And so my encouragement would be to meditate on the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament is gonna point you to the character of God, of, of stories, over and over. And I say that because so many of us see the Old Testament as boring, as dull and confusing. And so we run to the New Testament. And there's great things that are going to point us to God there too. But meditate on the Old Testament to be reminded of who God is. And finally, to praise God in your prayers. Like from an early age, we would teach children here that the acts of prayer, right? Those methods, the first thing is adoration is that we would spend time praising God, that we're in awe of him. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for that you are a compassionate father, that you love me, that you've cast out all my iniquity, that we would praise God in our prayers. And so would you say your prayers look more like someone that's in awe and devotion of God, that you're stirring your heart to just reflect on just adoration of who he is? Or do you feel more like a third grader that's just, God, I need this. Would you help me here? Would you do that, right? Neither one of those are bad. You can go to God both ways. But I think so often we sit like the third grader. And God, I need you to do this today. God, I need you to show up here. God, would you allow this to happen? And we need to remember by practicing praising God in our prayers to thank him for who he is. So how do we make sure we don't live a life of forgetfulness? How do we make sure that we don't fall to a life of apathy or ungratefulness is that we would take time to reflect, that, that you, would, you and I would create an, a habit, a spiritual exercise of remembering 
who God is and what he has done. And so I'll close with this. Uh, this week, I was thinking about my, my grandmother and all of her scrapbooks. And as I began to think about those, there's lots of pictures in those scrapbooks of my family at the beach uh, being all together. My family grew up really close to the beach, and so we would go often, and my grandparents would come down, and often Gran would have her camera out documenting those moments of us together. And there became a time where my brother and I were old enough to go out into the water by ourselves. Both could swim, right? And uh, as our family would stay on the shore, we would go out and begin to play around in the water and float around. And eventually I would look up and I couldn't see my family anymore. Right? They were on the shore, but I couldn't see the tent. I couldn't see our area that we were. And what happened was I had drifted further and further away from them because of the current. And we, if we don't take time to remember and to reflect on who God is, his character, what he has done for us, we are naturally going to drift from him. We, we are going to be people that just live in forgetfulness. And like we said from the beginning, there is danger in falling into that and drifting away from God. And so reality is, some of you, that may be your story this morning, that you've drifted from God, that you've forgotten of his love and his kindness to you. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would remember that you would come back to the God that you love. You may be sitting here today and you're not motivated, you don't care. And what's happened to you is you've forgotten about the God that loves you so deeply. Would you return to him today? Also, if you've never trusted in Jesus, I want you to look at this psalm and to recognize what you're missing out on. That you're missing out on the benefits of being God's child. You're missing out on his forgiveness, his redemption, that you're crowned and adopted as his child. But the beauty of this is you could experience it today, that you don't have to miss out on that any longer, that you can be his child in a direct relationship with him today if you would trust in him. There are going to be ministers and friends here at the front that would love to pray with you, to talk with you about accepting Jesus. Or if you just need prayer of like, man, I've forgotten who God is. I've I've fallen into an ungrateful life. Would you pray for me? They would love to do that for you this morning. Let me pray for us and we'll respond to you. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 